Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to Is It Normal? The Pregnancy Podcast with me, Jessie Ware. This is a bonus episode all around breastfeeding. Um, Some of you will find it very easy some of you will not some of you will have cracked nipples some of you will be able to feed your baby all the time and there'll be no problems all of you will have a different experience with breastfeeding and so we have a lactation consultant here Catherine Stagg to help us go through the beautiful art of breastfeeding um so breastfeeding we're all told to do it why why is breast best and does everyone still use that term still um but yes breast is best that's what we hear from midwives before the baby's out let's talk about it what is the beautiful magical quality of breastfeeding most people in the breastfeeding support world really hate the term breast is best (laughs) first of all it's just straight away putting it up on this pedestal of you know you're the perfect mother if you manage to do do it and in reality it's quite hard work and it's quite difficult and often the the support that's available especially here in the uk is a little bit you know sketchy and you have to really really hunt for some good breastfeeding support and and so if you're telling people all the time that they have to breastfeed and then they don't back that up afterwards with the support available for you in order to be able to do it all we end up is with people you know feeling like failures and and it's a complete nightmare really to be honest so what i like is that breastfeeding is normal breastfeeding is natural breastfeeding is hard but it is the way, you know, we are mammals, we have breasts, we have their mammary glands, that's what they are. We are supposed to feed our babies as mammals, that's you know how we're designed to do it. And mm. so um, really anything else away from that is not the norm. And so we can do other things to kind of help, you know, so people may be expressing, people may be supplementing with formula if they have to for whatever reason. And that's fine but you know the the sort of what what we're supposed to do basically as as mammals is feed our babies ourselves and that just gives you you know the sort of optimum potential for your baby does that sound right i don't know health potentials Mm. and learning potentials things like that so you know that's that's the kind of thing and also i'm sure anyone who's breastfed knows it's far more than just the nutrition as well it's a relationship at the end of the day Mm. and so you know being able to um give your baby what they need from an emotional support point of view and comfort and security and all this stuff as well. That's all part of breastfeeding as well. So, you know, that's kind of really, really important to remember. So for some people who don't manage to have a full milk supply, these things are really, really important as well. You know, those kind of aspects of breastfeeding. A friend of mine who has something called IGT, which is basically a underlying cause of low milk supply. She um, 
focuses on the fact that she's providing 100% of the emotional support for her baby by breastfeeding. She's providing 100% of the immunological factors because that's you know you only need a small amount mm. of breast milk every day to do that. And she has to have a little bit of help with the nutrition. So she's you know she's doing 85% of and anyone who passes an exam with 85% is usually doing a fantastic job. That's what we usually say. You know what? It's funny because I have a funny old relationship with breastfeeding. We're talking just post there being this breastfeeding awareness week, which I felt like was everywhere this year. And for me, it was quite triggering because I, although I've breastfed my children, I have supplemented and predominantly formula fed because I didn't have a high enough milk supply. And I really wish I could have more of a beautiful relationship with breastfeeding because I think it it is so beautiful when it works. But for me, it was a funny old week, but I I love how you've just kind of put that. I think it isn't going to be easy for everyone. And what are some of the problems that people may encounter at the beginning and can they be overcome? Give me some of the examples that will be, you know, that those initial days, weeks that when you're breastfeeding, you'll maybe feel like giving up. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the first thing I, I always suggest when people are expecting their baby, first of all, is to do some research. So the problem with breastfeeding is it's marketed as being natural, which of course mm. it is, but that doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> so mm, think of mm. it more like, you know, learning to ride a bike as opposed to learning to talk or whatever you know what i mean it's sort of natural from that point of view humans are, i can ride bikes fine you know what i mean it's quite a yeah. natural thing yeah, we can walk yeah. fine but we have to learn how to do it so it's, it's kind of more of yes. a, a learning process so uh, doing a bit of education before you have your baby whilst your brain is still working really good plan so <laughs> signing up to a preparing to breastfeed session that kind of thing um really really helps uh-huh. and, it, and if you can kind of learn firstly how milk production works the fact that it is supply and demand so the more often you remove the milk from your breast the more you're going to make. So that's one of the underlying factors. And a lot of people don't understand kind of how that works. They think that breasts need to fill up in order to work properly. And, you know, you have to wait a certain amount of time to feed the baby and all this sort of stuff. So so trying to kind of get that across is really important. And then the other thing is learning about how to get a good latch as well. So watching videos, if you've got any friends breastfeeding, go and just study them. <laughs> Can I just watch, you know, just have a look at the baby latching on, go along yeah. to maybe a breastfeeding support group. Um, and that sort of thing, just so a bit of preparation. And then learning about newborn baby behaviour is the other one because babies don't feed every three hours. <laughs> they feed a lot more than that. Um, and that's a trap that a lot of people fall into is that they think their baby should be fed every three hours. And some hospitals will tell you that and healthcare professionals sometimes when you have a sleepy baby in the early days, maybe over mm. the first week or so, they can be quite sleepy, especially if, there's, if they're a little bit early or if you've had lots of drugs in labour or such like mm. We mm. say to wait the baby every three hours to make sure that they're getting mm. at least eight feeds a day because that's the kind of minimum a baby should be fed. Yes. But in reality, once the baby starts to wake up a bit and kind of come round and, and sort of turn into a sort of proper newborn, so to speak, they do often like to feed a lot more than that. Um, the average baby feeds around 11 times in 24 hours and there's quite a wide range there are some babies who will feed less as well and they do exist we call them unicorn babies those ones uh but most babies like to feed really frequently and they like to um be cuddled most of the time in between so it's actually really intense 
and I think the intensity from is the thing that surprises most people actually more than anything and certainly for me it was uh, that was the thing it wasn't that I was having breastfeeding issues particularly I was quite lucky even though I had twins first they were actually latching on well and feeding quite well but the it was the whole intensity of having baby just needing you all the time and I think that's something that that is just not spoken about really enough to start with you know so that's the kind of main things that you can sort of learn about before baby arrives when they um, arrive earthside lots of skin to skin to start with some babies don't latch straight away so yes ideally we'd like them to get a good feed in the first hour or so after birth that's you know when that works it usually means that things get a little bit easier afterwards but if it doesn't happen that does not mean that you're going to have to, to um bottle feed sometimes babies just take a little bit of time to kind of learn how to do it and to wake up a bit recover from the birth such like so in that scenario if the baby's not latching particularly or not feeding well or is very sleepy and not really doing very much you know sometimes they go on and have a cup of sucks and fall asleep immediately so they haven't really taken anything then hand expressing again sort of every sort of two to three hours or so getting some colostrum you can give a colostrum to the baby by a syringe sometimes that wakes the baby up and then the baby will be a bit more able to feed um so that can work really really well and also hand expressing frequently like that will give your breasts the message that they're wanting to make full milk production uh, so a lot of removing the colostrum in the first couple of days gives the breast messages mm. to kind of um to make more milk in you know once your milk begins to come in so yeah in the first couple of days you make colostrum it's very small quantities it's absolutely packed full of immunity immunological factors it's also laxative it's um amazing stuff it looks kind of little tiny bits dark yellow sticky sort of honey like consistency it's amazing stuff and it is it should be all your baby needs in the first couple of days so kind of trying to get the baby feeding well to start with and if they're not then hand expressing and, and getting the colostrum into them that way and also asking for help and that's the other thing <laughs> so yeah the sooner you ask for help if something isn't working you're not sure whether it's right or it doesn't feel right or it's hurting to breastfeed or you're finding that you're having to um you know maybe you're struggling with milk production things like that trying to get help in early if you can manage it as soon as you can really kind of helps you know the, the sooner you can get help the, the easier it is to kind of sort out any problems basically and what what help are you referring to you are you talking about speaking to your midwife or a health visitor or a lactation consultant like when should somebody be calling you first point of course is always a midwife so if you're in the first sort of two weeks after birth your midwife is who looks after you midwives have sort of fairly basic level of breastfeeding training they usually do a kind of two-day mm. course the most important thing is that they should know when to refer on if it's out of their remit as a midwife and so they should say i think you should get some more you know in-depth breastfeeding support basically so a health visitor again similar amount of training health visitor takes over your care from about sort of two to three weeks onwards once baby sort of back to birth weight and things seem to be going well and, and you're healing from birth and such like so health visitor then continues your care from sort of two three weeks up to when the child starts mm. school so that's your kind of um sort of stock healthcare professionals so they have a similar amount of training as well to the midwife from a breastfeeding point of view so a lot of our breastfeeding support in the uk at the moment is is reliant on the volunteer sector so volunteered all the groups all around you know for years and years and years and helping parents to feed and kind of get everything going it's fantastic it works brilliant they do an amazing job peer sports have about 12 week course training 
um, and they are sort of like an informed friend is trying to help with so they know about positioning mm. attachment how to get baby latched all the sort of common problems newborn yeah. behavior all that sort of stuff so they're a fantastic source that has been very difficult during covid but things are starting to get better again and they are opening up and groups are starting up again and some of them are doing outside groups some of them are doing appointment based groups and some of them are doing you know small if they've got a large room they're having a few people in together so it's starting to get better again the next level after that is breastfeeding counsellor so a lot of breastfeeding counsellors will run be the sort of main person running a group if you're doing face-to-face support and mm. um, they have around sort of two years training something like that so i was a breastfeeding counsellor with the association of breastfeeding mothers that's one of the main organizations there's the nct there's breastfeeding network and la leche league as well so they're the four main breastfeeding charities in the, in the uk so yeah they sort of often are the sort of main go-to person in a group setting with the peer supporters kind of helping out we also cover the helplines so we've got national breastfeeding helpline the nct has a helpline and la leche league has a helpline as well so all lots of breastfeeding cancers cover those and then the next level up is a lactation consultant and that's what you're going to pay for that's you usually yeah. there are some in the nhs so if you find an NHS one, you're doing really well, but there are some. So yeah, lactation consultants, we've had to do a thousand hours of clinical practice, which is basically breastfeeding support. And we uh, have to either be a healthcare professional or do health sciences. And we also have to do a 90 hour training course as well. And then once you've done that, you're allowed to apply for the exam and then you have to pass a horrible four hour exam. So most um, lactation consultants, the term is International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, so IBCLC. That is what you're looking for if you're looking for sort of top level breastfeeding support. So we can do all all of the stuff that the others can do Mm. as well, but then we can also do more of the um, complicated issues. You know, anything that's sort of a little bit unusual, we, we get to see a lot of. But the main thing is because we tend to be in private practice, we often come to your home and so we can give you support in your environment using your sofa your cushions your you know all the yeah. sort of thing which can be really nice and means you don't have to go out as well which you know when you're a new mum uh, it's quite hard to get out of the house well, <laughs> well yeah and I think you know as a parent that's had babies over the last five years I feel like the conversation around breastfeeding and how the support has really changed in the last five years like I can I felt like it was far more prescriptive the first time I had a Um, child five years ago and it was this thing where it was instructions and it was kind of like this is the way breast is best this is how you're going to do it and your baby isn't feeding enough or your baby isn't it's this isn't good enough kind of thing and it made you feel like a failure round two it felt a bit more gentle there was definitely like this sense of urgency from health professionals that they wanted you to breastfeed however if you were struggling, I mean, I, I was kept on with my midwives for six weeks because they knew how hard I'd found it the first time. So they wanted to monitor me, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was kind of under an, you know, a watchful eye that was kind of judging me. There was definitely, they were trying to support. Now this third time, it feels like an even more of a kind of open conversation. And I do feel like for parents that are wanting to breastfeed, that way of how you communicate and you support them It's so, um, I almost feel like when someone speaks to me about breastfeeding, they have to treat me like I'm a toddler. (laughs) The way that I speak to my son at the moment, like I want to feel empowered without feeling under pressure. And it's all these kind of things that people say, relax, you should really relax. And you're like, well, I've got two children and I've got to look after them too. So this idea of relaxing is really unrelaxing because I'm stressed out about feeding the baby. And so 
and I can't relax enough. So it's all it's it's kind of it's completely confusing and you're trying to go right I'm gonna just relax and let the milk flow and I'm gonna like but actually you're just so stressed that they're not getting enough food or something like that so I do think that things have moved on but I mean for somebody who feels like they are because some people are going to want to contact a lactation consultant or their midwife or health health visitor and some are just going to want to pack it in my experience of breastfeeding three children or trying to breastfeed three children and not finding it easy. It has been different in each circumstance. Is that normal for a parent to experience breastfeeding differently with each child? They may find it really easy the first time and then a nightmare the second. Yes, totally. Because each child is an individual, first of all. And yeah. um, yes, your breasts do tend to work fairly similarly each time. But actually, each pregnancy, you lay down more of the milk-making um, tissue. So... If you've had a su- supply issue with the first child, sometimes it's better second, third, fourth, etc. <laughs> Basically, each time you have a pregnancy, you tend to make a little bit more milk. So that can make it look a bit easier. However, you know, each child is an, an, an individual. Each of the babies is going to have different things going on. So you have to get to know the different personality. They're their own person. They have their own quirks. They have their own, you know. So, for example, for me, I've got four. So I had twins first and then two single ones afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I was going to be like sailing with the single baby, the first one. He was all right, actually. Fed fairly well. Lovely baby. Enjoy breastfeeding. Fantastic. Also probably felt like a walk in the park after having it twins. slightly. Right? Although it's still hard. You forget it's still hard, yes. right? <laughs> so, and when my fourth baby, it was a total nightmare from day one until he was about three. Oh, really? Did you persevere? I did, yes. I was a breastfeeding counsellor. There was no way I was able <laughs> So what did what were the things that you encountered that were different and harder? It wasn't necessarily the actual feeding side of things, that was okay, but his personality, he was what we call a high needs child. You know, literally for the first six months of his life, I don't think I ever put him down. I just couldn't put him down, he wouldn't go in a cot. You know, you lowered him in, he'd stream straight away. So had to safely bed share the whole time. Carried him a sling, he wouldn't go in the buggy, he wouldn't go in the car seat. It was just <laughs> just one of yeah. those really difficult children. And I had three older ones to do as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I found that really, really hard. So the actual feeding side of it itself was okay, because obviously I sort of knew what I was doing by then as well. Though I had the opposite from a lot of people. I had so much milk. It was unbelievable. I could have fed the entire street. And actually that causes quite a lot of problems, because my baby would feed for about two minutes, which sounds fantastic, but then wouldn't have fed to sleep. So I had to find other ways to settle the child to go back to sleep again. So that's where the sling, sling and sling and dummy. I had a very interesting combination. Yeah, <laughs> but that's interesting because yes, everyone is going to feed their baby if they choose to feed breastfeed at different. I mean, my best mate, she would only use one boob on a feed and it would take her ten minutes. My mum would say, "Oh, it only took me five minutes to feed you on one side, and then you were done." For me, I was doing like forty-five minutes on each side. And the baby was still hungry. Mm. You were feeding your child for two minutes. What's that about? Is it normal? Yeah, very normal. Um, and, and this is why breastfeeding support really has to be on an individual basis. You can't just kind of read what a feed should be like. If someone asked me, how long should a feed be? I would say, how long is a piece of string? So a lot of it is to do with efficiency of the baby. So how, how efficient the baby is at feeding naturally. That's one thing. How fast your milk flow is. So some milk flows faster than others. 
nothing really you can do about it. And so if you've got a, a sort of slightly less efficient baby and a milk flow that's slower, you're going to end up with a longer feed. You know, that just makes sense, doesn't it, when you think about it like that. And if you've got a really fast flow of milk and an efficient baby, you end up with a, a faster feed, a shorter feed. And then we have storage capacity. Very, very variable from one person to the next. It's nothing to do with what your breasts look like, what their size is, anything like that. You can't tell until you have a baby and you work it out for yourself. So uh, you can imagine it like large Range Rover with large fuel tank, mm. small little you know, Nissan Micro or something, little Diddy car with a small fuel tank. You have to drive from Plymouth to Edinburgh. Your Range Rover is maybe going to stop once for fuel. Your Nissan Micro is maybe going to stop two or three times still gets to Edinburgh. So it's not that you're not going to make full supply, but you may have to feed more often to get there. Okay. And you may need to use both breasts every feed if you've got a smaller storage capacity and someone with a largest storage capacity may only need to use one. And so there are kind of these kind of set rules. God, everyone wants the Range Rover then, don't they? They do. But then the Range Rover, again, is what I have, which makes it sound like it's really good. But you get a baby who's fed in two minutes and really unsettled full of wind because they're fire hosed. <laughs> Right. So it's not necessarily a good thing either. So the support that you access really needs to be individually tailored to what your circumstances are. And this is what's really, really important with anything to do with breastfeeding. So you can read all the kind of general guides, all this sort of stuff, but often you don't quite fit into it. And you're just like, that doesn't quite sound like me or it doesn't, you know, the breasts don't look like mine. So that kind of individual care is just really, really important. And then just making a, a plan that's firstly short term, because often if um, someone's having to maybe top up or, or that kind of stuff, it, with, with sort of good support, it's, you can often just do it for a short term. You can do anything for a week or two, but if you're having to you know, do breastfeeding, topping up and pumping every single feed for more than a week or two, that's just not sustainable. So it's, you know, it, it's sort of getting a, getting a, a balance and, and trying to really work on it in those first few weeks. And then hopefully that will then set you up for being able to, simplify well, later. let's yeah let's talk about supply being low what would be your recommendations of how to increase supply because we can talk about high supply which is uh, which could it lead to mastitis and blocked ducts and engorged breasts yeah. but let's first talk about if your supply is low what is the first point of call that you would recommend to increase the supply do i need to be taking fenugreek tablets every day like everyone's told me to fenugreek is one of those weird ones that um works for some people but not everybody. And actually, for some people, oh, it decreases supply. So it has to be used with caution. Oh. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's one of those things. It's, it's a bit of an experiment. And it does work for some people. It's not that it doesn't work. It does work for yeah. some people. But it's not doesn't work for everybody. So the most important thing with supply is to remove the milk frequently um, and efficiently. They're the two things. So hopefully we've got baby who's feeding efficiently that's what we want and really the, the most important thing is to get your baby on breast as often as you can manage it so really as soon as they open their eyes when they when you wait until they're sort of crying that's quite a late cue and they're really hungry by then and then they're a lot less tolerant of you having to have several goes again you could latch and all this sort of stuff and potentially sleepier which means that they may not feed as efficiently yeah sometimes they go back to sleep again before you get yeah okay so really trying to kind of maximize that and then trying to offer both breasts so often a lot of parents that i support will be only doing one one breast and they'll be saying but my someone's told me i have to feed for 20 minutes to get the hind milk this is a little bit of a myth again 
yes. what you want to do is actually watch your baby and watch for their active feeding. So that's where they're doing the lovely deep sucks and swallows. You know, the whole jaw is moving. And then as it goes into the lighter kind of fluttery sucking towards the end of the feed, which um, happens, you can do some compressions, which basically means squeezing the breast and holding it for a second or two helps send a little bit more milk down, makes it quite easy for them to feed and you can often get them sucking again, especially if it's been a, a fairly short time. But eventually you'll find that your baby's just doing this really subtle kind of fluttery suck. Um, they sometimes wiggle and come off or they go to sleep. Mm. Some babies love to hang out all day with a boob in their mouth and flutter suck all day. So if you've got one of those, if you can't get them deep sucky again, you can just take them off. So put your finger in the mouth, give it a wiggle, take them off, give them a bit of a cuddle. If they haven't had enough, they'll start waking and doing that woodpecker head nodding off of the second side same yeah. thing watch for that nice active feeding again breast compressions massively help again and you should find that you know after the second breast hopefully your baby will be settled cluster feeding is a thing a lot of babies will like to um feed more than two times uh, and there are certain parts of the day where this is more common so in the evenings especially yeah. a lot of babies will cluster feed so that's basically going from left to right back to left back to right back to left for a few hours in a row but they just that they never seem satisfied yeah basically and that often happens in the evenings very very common behavior um and it's mm. it's not actually to do with milk supply really it's a, it, because again because i had this massive milk supply my baby's still cluster fed every single night is a normal newborn behavior right, okay. um, and so sometimes it happens overnight to start within the first week or two babies like to feed loads overnight and then sort of from about two or three weeks in they quite often cluster feed in the evenings you know sort of late evening time and that really it sort of peaks around six weeks and then it's usually starts to gradually get better again and it stops hopefully by about three months it's usually gone completely if you're worried about whether the frequency of feeding is normal or not, what you need to actually look at is nappy output. So okay. if you're getting good six wet nappies a day and then a good two or three poos a day or more, more is fine. If you're getting less than two poos a day, sort of up to that sort of four to six week age, you know, the first few weeks, sometimes that's a red flag that maybe baby's not quite getting enough milk. There are some babies where it's okay, but it's always worth investigating if you're not getting regular poos, you know, So because that's usually a sign that, that there may be something else going on. Um, but if you're getting lots of wet nappies and lots of dirty nappies like that, then the frequent feeding is fine. It's normal. It's really hard work and very intense, as we've already said, you know, but it is quite common what babies like to do. So if you're getting this good nappy output, and then, of course, you'll get your baby weighed, and as long as they're sticking roughly to their little, you know, line on the chart, that's what we're looking for. They don't need mm. to go up. If they're quite small and they're born, they can stay small. That's absolutely fine. So we just want them to follow their their, their line. And, and so that's how you kind of to know whether things are going well. We want some nice, nice amount of active feeding, good nappy output, and then weight gain. And that's what we're looking for, basically. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, let's talk about pumping with low milk supply. When would you suggest to pump? And would you suggest it? Because it can be quite demoralising, the amount that you see. Yeah, and it's a really gruelling thing to have to do as well, that you're having to pump every feed. So the times when it's necessary to pump, I'd say, are if the baby isn't feeding very well. And so if if you're finding that the baby is really sleepy, not really taking much milk, maybe sometimes they have a tongue tie, sometimes they, they just have difficulty latching to start with, that sort of scenario, whilst you're sort of, waiting for kind of extra support with that pumping your your milk to kind of protect that milk supply is actually really important i'm a big fan of using the baby to increase milk supply which is basically lots of frequent feeding and things like that because i think it's easier <laughs> if the baby's feeding well though this is the key so you've got to make sure your baby's feeding well to do that um because pumping is is quite grueling but yeah in the scenario that maybe you have got a baby who's not feeding well then trying to pump 15 minutes or so each after each feed you know it doesn't have to be a long pumping session using a really good hospital grade double pump is the key to be honest because again it's all about as i say frequency and efficiency pumps are not actually that efficient the hospital grade ones are the best that we have so a lot of people hire those if they're in this scenario and you can hire them uh, for a month a lot of people only need them for the first month because once their baby's sort of feeling better and things like that they can stop the pumping and you can use a kind of standard pump for occasional pumping or every, you know, once a day or that kind of stuff. That works well. But if you're trying to establish milk supply with a pump, then it needs to be a really, really good high quality pump. And then because they're double pumps, you can do both breasts at the same time, which massively helps as well <laughs> on the efficiency side of things. Um, and so you would again try and get baby feeding off both sides. If they're having top ups, if you've got a helper, get someone else to do the top ups while you pump for 10, 15 minutes. And then you can use that milk to top up next time. And if you haven't quite got enough you can add a bit of formula in as well but the, you know you can get your milk supply coming up to more what the baby's taking as the baby gets better at feeding you should be able to reduce the amount of pumping and supplementing that you're you're doing as you know over, after the first week or two hopefully and, and you know if you're getting some help with it and, and getting baby feeding better i do a lot of twin sport as you can imagine being a twin mum and twins are often born around 36 37 weeks gestation they're really sleepy and so a lot of people have to start doing this triple feeding, which is the breastfeeding, pumping and topping up routine. And it's totally hardcore. So trying to do it for as little time as possible is basically the best way. So, um, yeah, and, and trying to get, get the baby's feeding, you know, really efficiently is, is the key. Now, can I ask, because some people will just not get on with pumping and they won't want to do it. And I mean, for me, I get basically nothing, but I've been trying to do it to kind of increase my milk supply. And I've been trying to not pay attention to the amount. Can I ask you, because something that I discovered on the second baby was a thing called hacker, these suction caps that you put on the boob when you are feeding on one boob and it's supposed to encourage the letdown, which the letdown is 
Well, what's the letdown for people that don't know what the letdown is? Letdown is, is the, the official term is a milk injection reflex. And it's basically once your baby suckles, there's a big surge of oxytocin, which is the, the love and bonding hormone. But it also, oxytocin squeezes things. So it squeezes the milk cells and lets the milk down into the main part of the breast so that the baby can take it easily you know what I mean so it's um it's being produced in the background all the time so it never stops it's uh-huh. like a factory going 24 hours a day and then every time the baby latches on it sort of releases a load for the baby so that's what what the letdown is now hackers I felt like were far more effective for me with the amount of milk that I would get out and also kind of more convenient because you just kind of stuck it on whilst you were feeding on the other boob now my worry if I haven't fed on one boob and I'm feeding on the other and I've got the hacker or the suction cap, lots of different brands are doing them now and it's getting m- milk out. Should that milk be in the feed for my baby when I get to the other boob because I'm a double boob feeding mum, but some people won't be? Or is it OK because it's kind of there's going to be more milk that comes too? Because what I worry about is that the milk that I've caught in the cup that maybe I'm going to put into a bottle later, he should be having on that feed rather than feeding him later. What do you think about them? There is a bit of that. It's worth having a, a slight concern around that. So what I normally suggest, if you're using that the hacker whilst you're still establishing your supply, so this is sort of in the first six weeks or so, you have okay. to be a little bit cautious. Uh, sometimes it can cause a massive oversupply because if parents are using it every single feed and their baby's also feeding well and everything else is working well, you actually end up with too much milk and then that can cause the problems we were talking about earlier about you know fast letdown mastitis engorgement all this sort of stuff so you have to be a little bit cautious about using it in the first few weeks if everything's going well if things are not going well it can be it can be better to use a good pump but obviously that's a lot harder to do so but there is a thing if you've got a baby who's a little bit inefficient on the breast taking the kind of easy milk away from them with the milk collection the silicon pump can sometimes mean that they then need a top up if you see what i mean (laughs) so you can sometimes be taking the milk and then having to give it in another way afterwards when they could have had it from the breast. So what I normally suggest in this sort of scenario actually is using it on the second side. So you're giving your baby first breast, second breast, and then you can use the hacker on the second breast, if you know what I mean, and, and get what whatever it will take. It might not get so much volume, but you know, in, in the long run, it's better for baby to take it directly if possible. Later on, some people find that they their babies will sometimes have both breasts and sometimes have one breast, depending on the feed and you know what mood they're in and you know whether they're up for a three-course meal or whether they want a cup of tea and a biscuit type feed. A lot of uh, babies will have varying times and amounts, you know, throughout the day. So if there's a feed that your baby tends to only have one side for, then then that's a really good one to use those on, you know, later on. They're a useful device. Um, They just need to be used a little bit with caution. That's really helpful to know because I've been, like, using them and I've been like, wow, I just got 30 mils without doing anything. And then he's been quite hungry in the last few days. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. The baby will likely be able to get more because babies tend to be able to get the milk that pumps and, and silicon pumps and hand expressing can't get. Babies are designed to, you know, Mother Nature's millions of years of designing a baby to feed. And, and then we have these devices, which are man-made versions, trying to replicate it. Of course, they never quite work quite as well. So you would probably find that if your baby goes on latches, you'll get another letdown of milk. So it's not that you've run out. You know, if you've taken that 30 mil and then you put the baby on the breast, you will probably get another letdown and the baby will take some more. Do you know what I mean? So it's not that there won't be anything left. But if you've got a baby who's struggling a little bit, sometimes it, it can be easier if they can have that nice, easy flowing milk. Bear that sort of thing in mind, I think. So let's talk about 
um, oversupply, high supply and and what problems people may come into um, with having a bit of a high supply? Yeah, so often when your milk first comes in, which is usually sort of somewhere between day two and five after birth, that's caused by the birth of the placenta. So it happens whether you breastfeed or not. It's a hormonal thing. Um, the progesterone, which is the pregnancy hormone, actually keeps a lid on your milk production. You're making milk throughout the second and third trimesters of your pregnancy. So it's colostrum and your body just reabsorbs it when because you haven't got a baby to feed it to yet, you know. And then once the placenta is birthed, the progesterone levels come down and prolactin, is the milk making hormone, comes up. And so over the sort of between day two to five, you usually find that people's milk are coming in at that point. Some people will come in with quite a whoosh and feel very full and hard and, and other people will be much more gradual and they don't notice it. And often you have people say, my milk hasn't come in yet. But actually, if they're sort of having express something, it's a little bit more watery and it's, and you, yeah, no, it has, it's just coming in gradually, you know, as opposed to a big, mm-hmm. big whoosh. So again, it's very individual. But for those that do have a big whoosh, they get very hard breasts, often hot and, you know, um, it can be quite hard to get the baby to latch because it's sort of like, you know, it gets very swollen and it's, the baby sort of bounces off like a, trying mm-hmm. to latch onto a beach ball. So we can do a little bit of sort of massage and, and something called reverse pressure softening, which is where you just push the areola, which is the bit around the nipple, sort of in towards the breast, and you just kind of soften the area. So that can help baby get okay. on the breast. Now, a lot of people fall into the trap of here, because they're uncomfortable, that they start pumping the extra. So uh. the baby's taking a certain amount of milk, and then they're still feeling quite full and uncomfortable. And so if you sometimes if you start pumping at that point, that can then carry on, and you continue to make too much milk. So ideally you can you try and leave it and yes it is a bit uncomfortable but within the three or four days you usually feel a lot better and your milk supplies adjusted a bit more to what baby's taking if there's an inflammation and things like that cold compresses help with inflammation if you're feeling really swollen you can safely take ibuprofen as long as you're safe to take it yourself and breastfeed and ibuprofen helps with uh, as well as pain relief helps with um, inflammation as well but trying to just sort of really wake baby up and feed them as much as you can but then try not to do extra on top of that if you to me. yeah so yeah and it can just cause problems babies you have a very fast flow the baby um splutters a bit struggles to latch um they sometimes come off and on they're very fussy they get lots of wind so in this scenario we want to make sure baby's getting a really deep latch sometimes feeding baby in a slightly more upright position so their hips are lower than their head so maybe a more diagonal mm-hmm. position than what we would normally do works well leaning back really really helps in fact, leaning back really helps for pretty much every single breastfeeding scenario. Even if you've got low supply? Yes. <laughs> oh. Because babies, if they're draped across your tummy and they're lovely and close in to you, they don't slip off the breast and they feel very grounded and they tend to feed better in a slightly laid back position. So you can sit up to first latch your baby, but then slide your hips forward, lean back, and you'll probably find that your baby will be really nice and settled and, and actually feed quite well, you know? So um, it does. I'm a massive fan of laying back. Lots of stuff on YouTube all about this if you go and search for laid back position and things. And then actually trying to feed really frequently and trying to kind of just get, you know, the, the milk moving as much as you can. So the longer you leave milk in the breast, the faster it the flow is so trying to encourage your baby to feed frequently and if they can try and have both breasts sometimes when you've got a, a massive oversupply the baby will only take one but uh, yeah and c- trying to encourage them to have both if you can helps a little bit too we haven't really talked about the initial cracked nipples sore nipples even for a parent that's had one there's still that strong sensation when you have a new baby on you 
how can we alleviate and how long do you expect to have those sore nipples for? I mean, ideally you wouldn't have sore nipples. So it normally means that the latch is a little bit shallow. Okay. Trying to really in- increase the, the amount of breast tissue that the baby is getting is, is uh-huh. the key to kind of getting a comfortable feed. So one of the main mistakes... I don't like to say mistakes because it doesn't sound right. It's not the parents' fault. You know what I mean? They're not shown how to do it. I'll say mistakes and inverted commas that people make is to start with their nipple opposite the mouth of mm. the baby. Where in reality, in order to get a deep latch, babies have to throw their head back. So we want to make sure that we're leaving supporting baby with sort of hand behind the shoulders, fingers and thumbs behind the ears, so that they can put their head back um, to latch on. It's like having a massive either a big apple or a large burger, whichever you prefer, mm. use that analogy. If you're trying to take a massive mouthful of that really giant burger, you have to go in from underneath and put your head back and really open your mouth wide and yeah. take a massive bite. Yeah, and so your baby has to do the same thing in order to get a deep latch. And so what happens if you start with your the nipple lined up to the mouth is that when they put their head back, the nipple hits the tongue and it can't go back very far. Mm. So what we actually need to do is start with the nipple just under the nose on this, it's called the philtrum, that little bit where there's a groove, you know? So we start with the, the, the on the top lip, nipple there, tickle that top lip, that's also a rooting reflex. So it stimulates the baby's rooting reflex and it should encourage them to open their mouth. And then as long as you're not holding the back of baby's head, when they open their mouth, they should put their head back. And when they do that, the nipple will be pointing right up into the roof of the mouth and you then bring baby on firmly. Best way of describing it, I'd say. If you're too cautious, they tend to suck it in like spaghetti instead of actually taking a wide mouth. And that's really painful when they do (laughs) that. So doing that wide mouth and bringing the baby onto you um, and making sure that you're in a comfortable position. So, you know, a lot of people will kind of lean over and put their breast in the baby's mouth and then you have to stay like that, all hunched up, shoulders down, you know, back hurting, all this sort of stuff. So trying to bring baby to you is the best you know best way to do it if you can manage it and, and getting some good support so that you're not feeling uncomfortable and that kind of thing so yeah getting getting that really good deep latch in the early days should mean that you're a lot more comfortable so sometimes we get a little bit of initial pain when the baby first latches maybe for about 10 15 seconds and that can be okay that no, it's not okay it hurts but you know for, it can be normal so to speak mm. um but uh, if the rest of the feed is comfortable that's probably an okay latch. If you're finding that it's sort of pinching and rubbing all the way through the feed, or you can feel the gums, or you can feel the sort of, you know, and it's hurting, and if your, be- if your nipple comes out the mouth and it's really kind of pointed in a kind of lipstick, you know, that kind of new lipstick shape that you get, yeah, then that was probably a bit of a shallow latch. And that, that's eventually, if you keep getting that um, pointy nipple, the ridge that you make cracks, and that's where the, the cracking happens. So trying to get that really deep latch in the, in the first place, stops a lot of the problems there's so much with breastfeeding it's such a huge topic that yeah as you say is so individual um but i really appreciate you touching on some of the kind of key aspects of breastfeeding and baby and latch and just really really appreciate your enthusiasm and help towards this minefield of a situation and lastly what would be your recommendation so how long should somebody be potentially struggling with breastfeeding and should there be a time period where there should be some kind of progress or understanding that it's either for you or it's not i think the most important thing is to not stop before you've actually got some help with it because there are so many people out there who try breastfeeding and it's not working and they just stop straight away. Mm-hmm. And oh, 99% of the things that they're struggling with are probably 
able to be sorted by improving the latch that's pretty much it generally yeah <laughs> so, right you know what i mean and sometimes that's a matter of moving the baby a millimeter and it's that simple and then they're pain free and the milk's flowing and everything was working and i always i always feel so sad for people that have stopped before accessing support and the problem in our country at the moment is that you have to often go out and look for support mm. it's not just there for you that's what i would love to see is that everybody gets access after birth to someone good qualifications who can actually sit with them for a whole feed and watch the baby feed. and this is the problem is that our midwives are fantastic they do an amazing job they mm. have a massive caseload they cannot sit with each individual mum and mm. actually spend the whole time talking about feeding and how to get babies latched and things like that because they've got five other mums they're supposed to be looking after at the same time so it, the way our healthcare system at the moment is not set up well for breastfeeding support so you actually have to go out and look for it and this is the problem and when you're postpartum you know with the whole overwhelm of having a new baby it's just so difficult <laughs> to do that mm. so that's a really good job for your partner to go and go and find me some breastfeeding support partner go and sort them yeah. that's a really good job to give somebody and if you can afford it pay because to be honest you'll get a really good service in your house and and so sometimes putting a little bit of money aside for that or you know if you've got people who are worried about what to buy you after you know you get so many outfits don't you when you have a new baby and actually mm. far better probably use of the money would be to you know put it into a pot for breastfeeding support or something like that but there is loads of free support out there as well and, and the breastfeeding helplines are fantastic so i think that's the first thing get some support yeah if you're finding even with the support that's struggling i'd always give it maybe sort of you know see how you get on but for, you know give it a good four or six weeks really before you make okay. any sort of firm decisions about what you're doing because often things get a lot your babies just get better at being in the world after about six weeks you know they just get more used to being out and kind of you know they're not as unsettled and definitely by about three months things are usually a lot easier by then there's a vast amount of time when you're struggling with breastfeeding and thinking about three months so really in the first few weeks is take it a feed at a time and just just do your best with it basically thank you so much for joining us Catherine Stagg and for all your information um really really appreciate it lovely to meet it's you okay. so nice If you are enjoying Is It Normal, the pregnancy podcast, we would love to hear from you. Review it if you fancy, or you can just give it a little like or subscribe. It all really, really helps to build the community of other pregnant women that are going through this too. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to be in your ears again very soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.